What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. The Jesse Blake Sports Report. Really? Oh, wait, really? The Jesse Blake Sports Report. That's it? Don't forget, it's the Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. <laughs> you know, that's kind of redundant. Dude, is there a problem? No, no, that's fine. I, I just, you know, I thought maybe you guys would come up with something, you know, good. Man, I just read it. You know what? Doesn't matter to me. I get paid by the word. <laughs> Let's do this. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. We're bringing on now Tim Haraney, host of the TSN Racing Podcast. Find Tim at Tim Haraney on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you do your social media. Tim, he's been covering F1 for years, decades, covering motorsport for decades. You've been a driver on circuits around the world. If I come to you and say, hey, I want to get into F1, all my friends are now talking about it. Maybe I've seen a handful of episodes of Drive to Survive or something. Where do I start? What do I do? Uh, well, I guess you could start by giving me a follow, and then we can go from there. <laughs> yeah, you start listening to the TSN Racing Podcast. That's what you do, because that's it. You're going to keep up with your news, and then you keep going. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but seriously, though, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, I've been involved, like you, like you were saying, off the top of Jesse. I, you know, I've been involved in, in racing you know, since I was like nine years old. And uh, I've never, and we've talked, we talked about this before we, we came on here. You know, we have never seen the, the sport like get this big this quickly before. And this is all new for like a, a lot of us who are involved in, in racing. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think the best way of kind of just starting to get into to, to Formula One is, yeah, following a lot of the experts and those who cover Formula One as their, you know, full-time positions. And uh, that, I would say probably, that's probably the best way to kind of get started. I mean, you can always go and play F1 uh, 2021 and F1 2022 on uh on your gaming console, whenever that comes out, I recommend getting yourself a steering wheel and foot pedals so then you can actually kind of get an understanding for how difficult it is to drive a Formula One car. Um, but those are always those are always good. I mean, the simulators are always a really good way of, of getting into the sport and getting a better understanding for it. Fun. Uh, how are the like hardcore, the longtime F1 fans reacting to the boom of all of these new fans incoming? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good. I mean, of course, you're going to get fans who are really uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, protective of. Yeah, maybe yeah. like protective of of the sport. I mean, because they've been around since like the 70s, the 80s. You know, I've been around since like 80. Let me do the math here. 87, I think. So. I mean, you're going to get those types of fans, but then you're also going to get fans who are actually pretty welcoming, um, who want to help. I mean, uh, I had a, a friend of mine who was in uh, Monaco a few years ago, and there was an influencer who was there who had asked, who'd been asked to kind of come to the Monaco Grand Prix, and they didn't really know what was like going on, like they didn't really understand, oh, wow. and. 
my buddy could kind of like notice that. So he reached over and was like, Hey, like, do you know what's happening here? Do you need a little bit of help? And they were like, yeah, I have no idea like what's going on. And he's like, okay, well, let me, let me tell you what's up. So this is this, this is that, this is it. This is what it means when this happens. So there are other fans out there who are more than welcome to like educate new fans that are, that are coming in. Um, I would say most Formula One fans or racing fans in general are happy that this is kind of happening simply because it keeps the sport alive. It keeps it healthy as well. And and also I think it forces some, you know, change on, on the racing in general. I mean, for, for years, like we saw some pretty boring races, like some pretty bad ones. We also saw some great ones. Um, but having Liberty media come in to formula one purchase it and then kind of start to retool things over the years and really saying like look we've got a great property here we have a great group of personalities and we have a great sport but the content that's happening on the track could be better and this is what we want to do we want to make that better we want to make that more entertaining so I think what the Liberty Media has done in terms of sort of re rejigging the on-track spectacle has been for the positive. I mean, these cars uh, this season, uh, I think as these regulations stay in place for the next few seasons, we're going to see some really great racing. I mean, the past five rounds, because we've been through five rounds so far, the past five rounds have been really good we've seen battles for the lead you know it wasn't too often we actually saw legit legit battles for the lead uh maybe in 2021 we saw some but so far we've pretty much seen almost every single race given maybe australia like a battle for the lead so it's been it's been good that way jesse i mean i i think as a fan you a hardcore formula one fan i think you have to be happy about that but i think you also have to be happy about the boom and the uh the growth and popularity of the sport i've i've never been to an f1 race we mentioned this when we were talking off (laughs) what's what's the difference between watching on tv and watching live like i i hope to get to one one day what am i going to experience what's it like when you're there yeah it's a great question jesse i mean because there are two different aspects to watching a race live and and watching one on on television and i've i need to be upfront about this i've only actually ever sat in the grandstands to watch a car race and it wasn't even a formula one race to watch a car race once and it was at the molson indy um it was 2002 I was racing in Canadian Pro Formula Ford Championship, and Paul Tracy gave us some tickets to go and <laughs> sit in the grandstands and watch the big event. So we got to go and do that. And that was that's the only time I've actually ever been in the grandstands to watch a race. <laughs> but uh, that being said, you know, I can take that and put it towards Formula One. And I would say one of the things you kind of miss out on, I think, would be strategy um team radio and i've always found team radio to be very helpful when watching on television because you get more information yeah you know like the broadcasters uh the play-by-play people um the color commentators you know they do fantastic work but sometimes they don't actually even know what is really going on inside the race car because f1 has become uh in some parts so complex so the 
the radio messages that the driver delivers to the team are actually quite helpful. It gives us a better understanding of like what they're having to deal with when they're out on the racetrack. So I would say the main differences would be, would be that. And then like, I guess you also kind of mix, miss that pre-race sort of, uh, build up in terms of like who's on the grid. Uh, what are the what are the storylines coming in? Like when you're in the grandstands and you're getting ready for the race, I mean your adrenaline is just as high as like the drivers are because like the engines are revving and you're getting ready for it. And what's going to happen? You have no idea. So those are the two like different different aspects. I would say at the at the track in the grandstands, your adrenaline is probably like through the roof. But at home, you're kind of getting a bit more information. As a media member, you said something that's fascinating. Are you privy to like all of the radio that's happening uh, in all the cars to the uh, to their teams? Uh, I get I get some of the radio. Yeah, I can't okay. say like how or why, but yeah, I get <laughs> I, I do get some radio for yeah. sure. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know if everyone else does or not. I I have no idea. I mean, they probably do. Uh, but at the same time, it's uh, it's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I find anyways, cause it gives me more insight as to like what's going on. Uh, like I was saying out on the racetrack, it helps, uh, me understand what the driver's having to deal with, what the driver's having to battle with. And yeah, that's all really relevant, important information because I mean, what makes it difficult and some people might be thinking this and I should probably fill them in <laughs> is the tires. Like, when I raced, you know, we ran on tires that you were doing qualifying laps in the race, like as hard as you could, you were always pushing, you never stopped pushing. And now in Formula One, with the way these tires are designed, they're actually designed to like degrade, drop off very quickly to help spice up the entertainment. Um, it's, a, it's a lot different from, from what I'm used to racing with. Um, and you really have to experience that. It's hard. It's not easy to kind of like get in the car and make it fast right away without kind of destroying the tire. And so when you're hearing the, the driver's feedback over the radio, they're, they're, they are they talk a lot about that. Like maybe they made a mistake that generated too much heat into the tire. Now they've got thermal degradation because they made that mistake. And that's going to play a huge factor as their first or second stint starts to kind of unfold throughout the race. And that's their story. And without that radio information, it's really hard to kind of like get a good understanding of what's going on. I'm, I'm kind of skipping ahead here and I wanted the conversation to go. But on Lewis Hamilton this weekend at the Miami mm. Grand Prix, when he's complaining uh, on, on the radio about the tires and he's saying, you tell me about how this, this should work. Is that sort of the stuff that you're hearing over the radio? Well, that stuff with like Lewis is a little different because usually in the past we've heard Lewis kind of talk about, you know, hey, like I'm coming into pit or these tires are no good. Like we need a new set or why did you put me on the medium? We knew the soft was going to be good. And he's usually like dictating that that kind of stuff sometimes. And Hmm. he relays a lot of information from tires and things like that back to Bono, who's his um, engineer. And so for for Lewis this past weekend, and I would say the season just as a whole, just having a bit of trouble getting to grips with the race car for sure, only because it's got like a it's got a sweet spot to it. And that's what, you know, those are total wolf's uh words. And it's very particular in terms of setup. So in a direction that Lewis might want to go in, the car may not want to do that. 
And so he'll have to find another avenue to take the car to kind of get it into that window that delivers the performance and keeps him somewhat confident and comfortable inside the race car. I mean, you're never you're never completely comfortable in a race car. You know, it's a lot of high stress. You're you're always trying to manage that. And if you can get a little bit comfortable, I mean, that's that's important. If you can find that balance with understanding what the car is going to give you, know what it's going to give you when you go into a corner and know the information you're going to get back, which is extremely important. Um, yeah. And but just for for Lewis as a whole, and we could probably go down this rabbit hole right now is just yeah. that I think I think eventually for this team and for this car, there's going to be a point where they're going to have to make a decision on which way they want to go in terms of um, philosophy and aerodynamic mm. philosophy with the race car. They had one set of uh, aero philosophies when they started uh, preseason testing in Barcelona, and then they showed up to Bahrain with a completely overhauled race car, something that was totally wild. None of us ever expected it. Uh -huh. It's like, this car has no side pods. What's going on? And <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And so that was a little bit um, jarring, I would say. And I think they were not expecting to have the porpoising issues that they've been having. That is something that just didn't show up in the wind tunnel. It's not something you can repl replicate in the CFD or in the wind tunnel either. So I think for this team, there's going to be a point where they're going to have to make a decision on what they want to do. Do they want to keep blowing their their budget on this design or do they kind of want to go back to what they were using in Barcelona and maybe build from there and then aim for the next season? Because in all honesty, I mean, in terms of like Lewis gunning down a, an eighth world title this season, it's unrealistic. I don't, really don't think that's going to happen. The The favorites have kind of already shown their their hands and what they got and what they got is pretty good. And, you know, I think in terms of Lewis's teammate, George Russell, and he downplays this a lot, even when I talk to him, but, you know, I think his time at Williams driving such a difficult car kind of gave him a different tool set, if you would call it that, where the car was just a, it was a handful. It was so difficult to drive. It was one of the hardest uh, cars I think he's ever driven. And then moving over to Mercedes where something similar is going on. It's not the, the Williams car wasn't porpoising, but in terms of an ill-handling race car, I mean, that's kind of what he's got. And he's been able to actually really do a nice job of getting it into uh, an operating window for himself and extracting some performance from the race car. So in a nuts and bolts sort of answer to, to all, of, all of this, I mean, you know, that's kind of what it just boils down to. If they can bring big enough upgrades for, for Barcelona and they, they work, I mean, great. And then there's more to this, you know, Jesse, we can get into and, and go down if you want. Um, sure. But yeah, this is kind of like surface level stuff. <laughs> so my question there is the F1 season, it's a long season. If you look at the odds right now in Sports Interaction, uh, sportsinteraction.com for the F1 Drivers Championship, Max Verstappen is the leader. He's the favorite at 1.83 odds. And then Charles Leclerc comes in at second at 2.10 odds. And then it falls off a cliff. Lewis Hamilton, 26 to 1 to win the Drivers' Championship. And then Russell, 41 to 1 odds to win the Drivers' Championship. Why is it so difficult for, for anybody to come back midseason and challenge for the Drivers' Championship? Why is there not like, hey, they're still in this race, even though we're only uh, six races in, they can still come back. We're already ruling out Mercedes. Why is that? 
Yeah. If you take a look at this, another great question. I mean, if you take a look at how like a Formula One car evolves, it evolves over over the season. Mm -hmm. So let's take, you know, Red Bull, for instance, they've had reliability issues to start things off. And that's really costed them in terms of the two performances, Red Bull and Ferrari are actually very, very close on on pace. But that reliability for the Red Bull has really uh, let them down. So reliability is is almost like a quick fix where aerodynamics, um, mechanical, um, mechanical engineering, all of that stuff is it takes a lot longer to fix and it takes a lot longer to develop. Um, not necessarily band-aids, but a solution to the issues that are causing the lack of performance. If you look at, let's say, Ferrari in Barcelona, they're most likely coming with a bigger upgrade, and so is everybody else, right? And then you have to take a look at, okay, so if Mercedes is already eight-tenths in quality pace off of like Ferrari Red Bull, and if Ferrari's bringing another upgrade, they are either going to extend that advantage or maintain it where Mercedes is trying to play catch up. And they need right. to come with a big enough upgrade that kind of hits a home run. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to hit a home run, right? <laughs> and so that's that's what you're kind of working with because all season it's going to be like this. Like Ferrari's going to make an upgrade, so is Mercedes. Ferrari, mm -hmm. Red Bull's going to make an upgrade, so is Ferrari. So is Mercedes. And it's going to just stay like that. That gap is just going to remain as the season keeps going unless unless a team can really, like I was saying, hit, hit a home run. Um, and there's going to be other teams in Barcelona that are going to be bringing big upgrades, which, which are important. And the thing is, is that you want to try and carve out some of the gaps that you're losing to the teams that are faster than you. Maybe not take a full second out because that's, that's really impossible to do. But take a couple tents here take a couple tents there. And that's basically what teams are kind of taking a look at now. Okay. And the, uh, the other driver, I mentioned a couple of drivers there. Uh, I just want, I just want to show some love since we were talking about Mercedes, uh, Valtteri Bottas on Sunday, <laughs> such an impressive performance in the Alfa Romero car. Like uh, what he's able to do there, even though he's coming, he's coming off of a Mercedes where he was in the, the best car, obviously last year. And he's going to that one, his driving it's, it's excellent. And I wish he was able to stay with the pace of, uh, Russell and Hamilton there, but yeah, just, can we show some love to Bottas for a little bit? Yeah. And throw into this group of the top drivers. I think he's got a sneaky chance to get a podium this year. Right? Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you, Jesse. I mean, like one of the things that, you know, for, for Valtteri is he's just got to stop looking in those uh, in those mirrors, man. Mm. Like that's basically what costed him the spot in, yeah. um, in Miami. Poor guy. I mean, but I mean, at the same time, like he's an incredible qualifier. I mean, this guy is absolutely like outrageously good. Um, but yeah, I think Valtteri getting onto the podium uh, for this season, it's uh, not unrealistic. That's for sure. I definitely think it could happen. If we take a look at like Valtteri's full race weekend, having that crash in free practice, mm -hmm. which really set him back because when a driver comes to a brand new circuit like a Miami they've never been to, it's... It's, it's difficult because you're having to learn something new and the amount of information you're having to uh, take in. So if we take this, again, I'm trying to think of like a comparison because it's really, really difficult, but it's basically you're doing something you've 
you're driving a race car that you've always driven, but you're driving it somewhere you've never driven it. And mm-hmm. sometimes the racetrack will offer uh, little things to help the car go quick. Like maybe there's a, maybe there's a bump as you're turning into, you know, whatever a turn two that's going to give the car just enough rotation that you actually don't need to really turn the steering wheel that much to give you enough rotation where the car just kind of lands and whoop, you're off. <laughs> and so that's important because you're not wasting time and you're actually finding time very quickly. And these are just little characteristics that the racetrack offers to you that you kind of learn as you go through your practice sessions. And then you start to fine tune the race car. Okay. It needs a little front wing here. Okay. We need a little bit more damper here. Okay. We need a spring change here. And that's when your mind starts working on, okay, what do we need to change for this corner, this corner, this corner, what is the car giving me? And then you have to adapt and they have to think like, okay, well, this is the most that I'm going to get from uh, the technical engineering side of things. Let's see if the driving can drive away around this. Maybe I can drive the car a little bit differently into the corner. That's not going to give me so much understeer. It won't give me any oversteer on exit, et cetera, et cetera. So for Valtteri, losing those practice sessions, it's detrimental to how your weekend kind of unfolds because you're not getting any track time. If you're not getting any track time, you're not learning. And then you're not developing the car so you can take it to the limit when you get to qualifying. So for Valtteri to qualify, I believe it was fifth. So for Mm -hmm. Valtteri to qualify where he qualified was uh, unbelievable. Like that is an incredible achievement. And I don't think it got enough recognition, which I really think it should have because what, what Valtteri did was not an easy thing to do for any driver. It doesn't matter how long they've been racing for. It's incredibly difficult. And you got to be one of the best in the world to be able to achieve something like that and to have the confidence and the guts to just throw one on the line because it's like you have no idea what you're going into when you're getting into like a push lap. You have no clue. So for, for him to do that and then come out on top with, I believe it was seventh in, in Miami, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely unbelievable. And that car, I think, probably had no business being that high up. I know I was <laughs> speaking with Guan Yu Zhou, um, or Zhou Guan Yu, I should say, pardon me, um, after he retired from the race and he was a little bit disappointed because he had felt that, you know, Alfa Romeo did have a pretty good car uh, this weekend. A great race. It was very Yeah. And he was, I think, yeah, he, I think he was, he was pretty confident that he was going to score points, yeah. but you know what? I think, you know, seventh where Valtteri finished, I think he could have probably finished a lot higher than, than seventh if he hadn't have oh. made that small mistake. Mm-hmm. And, and the Miami, the Miami Grand Prix on Sunday. It was probably the, the biggest financial celebrity Grand Prix there's ever <laughs> been in the history of F1, just the amount of people that were there and the fanfare. But before we get into that, because I got to ask you how Ashton Kutcher smelled, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I want to know about the track. We'll do the technical <laughs> stuff first, and then I need your celebrity sighting rundown list, okay? So right. the track... How what what is what is this thing about the track melting because the cars were running on it too much? Like what was going okay. on there? Because that's that's the biggest complaint from the drivers that the track is literally uh, denigrating as they're driving on it. Can you yeah, explain what's going on there? For sure. Uh, uh, so I had a friend of mine who was doing uh, hot laps uh, over the weekend, and what that means is he's basically taking guests and celebrities of the race team putting them in one of their cars, 
like not the formula one cars, but like road going cars and like taking them for thrill rides around the racetrack. And on Thursday he was at practicing and he came back to me and he's like, dude, he's like turn seven and turn 17, man. I'm like, yeah. He's like, there it's coming up. I'm like, what do you mean? It's coming up. The pavement's actually coming up. He's like, yeah, dude. He's like, the pavement's actually coming out of the ground. Oh, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, no, he's like, just wait till these F1 cars hit the track on Friday because they'll literally the cars are so powerful that they will pull the entire track apart and so i was like oh my god get to the track friday morning and i find out that they've actually resurfaced turn seven turn 17 actually like dug it up a bit and they put down fresh new asphalt wow well you know the cars were digging that up too so (laughs) they had to go back out and then to turn 17 in particular, and they actually really had to dig it out. They had to really dig that that up sat early, early Saturday morning. And they had to lay down a fresh new stretch of, of asphalt. So it has something to do with the asphalt mixture and the concrete mixture that they actually use in Florida because they mm-hmm. can't outsource. Apparently, they couldn't outsource um, the track materials to bring yeah, in like Florida state laws that yeah. require them to use Florida materials. Exactly. Right? Yes, okay. exactly. So what would be really helpful is if they kind of got something from Bahrain or if they had have had have had something that Saudi Arabia used for their their track simply because it's so hot. Like mm-hmm. the track temperature was 50, 51 degrees most of the weekend. Like these guys are racing in 51 degree then you got your balaclavas, then you got your fireproof underwear, then you got your race suit on top of that, and then you got your helmet. And it probably just feels like there's a hairdryer being blown at you for the entire race. Plus, you're dealing with all the G forces and the braking and the acceleration and the turning and all that to go on top of it. So it'd be very difficult physically because of those temperatures, but those temperatures are also destroying the track a bit. So I think moving forward, they're probably going to have to take a look at how they can kind of fix that up because it was, it was also like playing a bit of havoc with drivers, um, push laps and qualifying. And I spoke with Daniel, Daniel Ricardo about this on Saturday and yeah, he just made mention that with turn 17, you know, coming down into it, you're going from a surface that has so much high grip because it's evolving onto a surface that has very little grip because it's mm-hmm. brand new and it's and it catches a lot of the drivers out because you want to be aggressive and get back to the power. But if there's not a lot of grip there and what you're expecting to be there, you're going to get a lot of slippage. You're going to get a lot of wheel spin. You're going to get some oversteer. And so that kind of hampered a bit of his uh, push lap, he was telling me. So that is a that is a bit, bit of an issue. And it's one of the things they're definitely going to have to take a look at when – uh, coming back to this circuit for next season. And then I also think they're probably going to take a look at that, um, that slow chicane at the back yeah. there. I kind of liked it, man. It was kind of like, <laughs> I didn't mind it. <laughs> Same it just, here. It didn't create any drama really. You know, it did. I didn't, I don't think it did what the organizers expected it to do, but it didn't, it didn't really bother me. It was, uh, <laughs> what I would say is like, I don't want to say it's like very American, but it kind of reminded me like of the champ car days, like some of the street circuits we would race on. There were just like there was things like that going up yeah. a hill over a set of like train tracks or something <laughs> r- ridiculous like that. And it's just like, hey, that's what we got to deal with. But um, right. I, I actually kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of cool, but I have a feeling they'll 
probably do away with that for next season. Yeah, too many drivers complain that yeah. there's like, okay, we'll get rid of it. You know, we don't want this a story in the media. So, uh, last thing before we just do a quick look ahead to the yeah. uh, Spanish Grand Prix. I mentioned this before. Probably the biggest celebrity attended mm. F1 event ever. Who did you see? What was it like rubbing shoulders with the big wigs? All right, so <laughs> there were yeah, good question. I mean, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of celebrities there for sure. Uh, probably the most that I've seen at a at a Grand Prix. I mean, Tom Brady has been to to Grand Prix before. He went to um, Montreal in 2018. And I saw him in the paddock there and then saw him again at an after party thing and uh, super nice guy, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's, so he's been to Grand Prix before, but I would I would say like so Tom Brady's not a casual. He's a hardcore. He's been, he's been uh, around. Yeah, he <laughs> follows the sport, actually. Nice. And I think he's also doing some work with um, IndyCar, if I'm not mistaken, for this oh, upcoming wow. Indy 500. Um, but yeah, let me let me. I just gotta roll through my brain here about everybody who I saw. So, okay, I was waiting at paddock entrance, and usually the celebrities kind of come through there. And I didn't have anything to do for like an hour, so I figured, <laughs> well, I'll just go down there, hang around, and kill an hour, and see who I see, you know. And I had been told that the Rock was supposed to be there. Okay, that that's what I was told. He okay. was supposed to be coming. But he didn't show up because, like, my girlfriend was really disappointed because she loves The Rock. And I was just like, okay, I'll get you a picture of The Rock if I see him. <laughs> and I also wanted to yell at him, can you smell what The Rock is cooking and see what happens, right? <laughs> but, like, he, did, he didn't end up showing up. But I'm standing there, and there's a lady sort of standing beside me. And she's got, like, this really cool Williams, like, Miami kit on and this Williams bucket hat. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, God, you look awfully, like, familiar. And then the, this Williams team personnel came down, got her, we're like, hey, we're going to take you and put you in the Formula One car now. And they go down and I saw the picture. I'm like, oh my God, it's like Catherine, Catherine Hahn. And I had to tell my oh. girlfriend, she loves her too. So I was like, I was literally standing like right <laughs> beside her. And I didn't even like clue, clue in. Sometimes you're standing beside these folks and like, you don't even know. Like I literally ran into Zoe Saldana, Zoe Saldana. Mm -hmm. I literally ran into her apologize for running into oh you mean literally like yeah bumped into her yes like not just bumped like really bumped because i oh, wasn't gosh. like watching where i was going but um she was uh super nice like super super nice mm -hmm. and as she's walking away i was like god you look awfully familiar and then i was like gamora <laughs> so uh, there is things like that that kind of happen they're standing beside you and you're just like you just you don't even clue in mm -hmm. until there's like a swarm of people like come around you and then you're like they're not here for me and then you're kind of just like oh okay it's like who are you and then you take a closer look oh you're so-and-so um it was cool to see david beckham i got up close with him nice uh who else? Uh, Ashton he's, Kutcher. He's uh, David Beckham's a big F1 fan as well. He's been around yes. for a little bit. Yes. Yeah. I guess apparently he was good good friends or knew Jensen Buttonwell because Jensen like stopped and they both started chatting with each other and shook hands and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, Jensen, you know David Beckham. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm like, that is awesome. Right. Um, but, and he has uh, the, uh, the Red Bull connection with uh, marrying a Spice Girl. You know, yes. there's that. <laughs> yes, probably. Oh, there's yeah. something to do with something to do. There has to be some sort of correlation there for sure. Right, right. Um, seeing some of the Miami Dolphins players was cool. Mm -hmm. I, I got like pretty up close with them. And, and like I'd never, aside from like Tom Brady, who is 
he's actually quite big in person, um, which people seem to say he's actually kind of a little smaller for like a quarterback. But mm-hmm. like, I thought he's he's pretty big. But some of these like line linemen and also wide receivers, man, they're huge. Like, oh, yeah. oh, like calves. Like this is it's uh, it's wild. Like just massive athletes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, ran into Venus Williams. Um, That's cool. Yeah, she's yeah. she's a nice lady for sure. Um, saw the first lady. Actually, someone was a friend of mine was trying to actually get a shot of the the the. the he was getting a picture and like the the security kind of like picked him up and like moved him. So <laughs> no way. Get through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, there, there was a lot, man. There was, there was a lot there. I just, I'm trying to like, I'm blanking, but I'm trying to like go yeah. through like everyone I saw. But no, I, everybody listening, you should go listen to the TSN racing pod <laughs> because you ran down a lot of celebrities there. And I was just fascinated yeah. by that aspect. It's, it's a, it's a different dynamic because when you go to, when you're at a basketball game, you're not, you're not rubbing shoulders with Drake. Like you're not all courtside with him there. But in, if the F1, if you're privy to, uh, the places that you are, you know, yeah. you're right there with everybody else. And it's and, really cool. Yeah. Justin, it's a great point because like, you know, if you buy, um, like paddock passes, not, not paddock passes. I think, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's, um, it, it basically you get access to hospitality, mm. um, and what they call like F1 experiences. And they kind of take you for tours, of, of the paddock. Now for, for media members, we're allowed to just kind of hang out in there because we have to kind of go and see the teams and we have to go and see the drivers and our credentials allow us to, to do that. And those credentials are, are not easy to get. They are, they are difficult to get, but for the F1 experiences and for the um, paddock club, you know, they pay, they show up, they get the hospitality, uh, they have a good time, but they also get to go for tours through throughout the paddock with tour guides. And once that's kind of happening, sometimes you, they just run into celebrities and it just, that, that's it. You know, they're going to come over take pictures with them, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think like that part of, or that experience with like F1 um, and what they do in terms of that experience, I think it's kind of cool. It's different. I mean, it obviously has that exclusivity sort of factor to it as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I kind of like how they, how they kind of set that up, set that up sometimes. Cause it makes it feel maybe, maybe bigger than what it is, but it, it, it's neat. I think. Yeah. Cause it's, it's three days of, of events and stuff. Like it's one race on Sunday, but it's really three days of just hanging around and, and looking at the cars and just drivers walking around. It's, it's such a cool dynamic. hundred percent. And like, just, a. I think for for me, I still get geeked out when I get to see like pit stops, um, pit stop practices. Uh, I still like just I love that stuff, and I get to see the cars close up, and then I get to also take a closer look at like, oh, that's different. You've changed mm-hmm. this. This is what it was last weekend, and wow. this is what you're running this weekend. Oh, that's quite fascinating. And then kind of getting that understanding of like, oh, this is a new upgrade, and that's another question I can ask a driver. So getting that access is, um, I guess for the media, it's actually, it's pretty crucial, I think, because you can evolve your story for sure. And so, yeah, that, that kind of stuff for me really fascinates me. 
And lastly, looking ahead to next weekend, the Spanish Grand Prix. Again, we're going to grab the odds from sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Max Verstappen, he's the favorite going into Sunday. 1.94 odds. Then Charles Leclerc at 2.02. Carlos Sainz at 11 to 1. Checo at 15 to 1. And Lewis Hamilton at 18 to 1. The, the line everybody keeps saying is when Max Verstappen finishes a race, he wins it. He's three for three and finishing and wins. Is that what everybody's expecting? Uh, Max goes out and if, if his car stays on the track that he's going to finish and win. I don't necessarily like agree with, agree with it a hundred percent because okay. Ferrari's going to bring upgrades. Like I, like I had mentioned there and so too might Red Bull. Um, but I think Ferrari's upgrades may be a little bit bigger, but that being said, I it's, it's really difficult to tell so far this season who's going to be competitive at which tracks. I mean, Hmm. so far in qualifying, the Ferrari has been excellent. It's been so good in qualifying pace uh, that I think it, it, it comes down to who can stitch the perfect lap together. But in the race, I mean, the race with, you know, Max Verstappen driving like a Red Bull is, is really good. I mean, one of the things I think people haven't kind of sort of looked at maybe is uh, I would say Max Verstappen's maturity. Like he's winning that championship in 2021, having that confidence, going through that battle with with Lewis. Um, I think that's hard in him. Like it's he's 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 better at judging and taking his time and looking at is this the right opportunity for me to make a move or is it not. Uh, Do I need to be really aggressive here or should I conserve? And that also includes with the tire, like you saw in Miami where, you know, he let Leclerc sort of pull away. Leclerc was able to break the DRS and Max just kind of bided his time, bided his time, kept that gap to a certain minimum. And then once the team kind of radioed to him, like, Hey, it looks like Leclerc is having some front graining issues you know, maybe now's your time to like start pushing. And that's when Max kind of like flips the switch. Right. And it's like, okay, I've conserved the tire enough. Now I can go on and attack. And so I think that's, that's, that's also sort of new to his game where with Verstappen, it was always pushing it a hundred percent race hard and, and, um, and, uh, battle as hard as you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see the battle throughout the season. You know, I'm, I, I got some rooting interest. I, I, I stepped my I flag to Mercedes, so we'll see if they can come back in this. I'm hoping the porpoising uh, doesn't continue, but we'll see. Uh, thank you so much, <laughs> Tim Haraney, for joining us here today. Uh, no problem. Us a little F1 primer. Follow Tim at Tim Haraney on all of your social media and listen to the, uh, the TSN Racing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again. Hey. No problem. Thanks very much, Jesse, for having me. Really appreciate it. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, yes. Yes, I did get a haircut in between the first segment and this segment. In between Tim joining us and now us talking about some betting action I see on Sports Interaction, I did. I did, in fact, get a haircut, and I hope it looks good. (laughs) I, I hope it looks good to your ears for everybody listening. And if you're watching, I know, please don't make fun of me. Uh, about my new hair anyways let's <laughs> let's get to what i'm seeing i don't have a fancy name for this segment yet and maybe i'll do uh, best bets with blake best bets with blake that's three b's three b's is is a good alliteration 
So best bets with Blake is what we'll call it right now. I just came up with that off the top of my head. If you didn't already notice, I'm on sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. The way I usually hit hit my bets is live betting. I, I, I consider myself a live bet king. All season long, I take Leafs two and a half when they're down and they usually come back and at least make it close to where they get within two goals and I cash that bet consistently. And during the NFL season, I'm, I'm real good at identifying, okay, this game's it's, it's in the second quarter right now. This team looks like garbage and this team or this team is underperforming and they're going to come back. So I love the live bet aspect of, of betting. On Sports Interaction, they got all the live bets, especially through the uh, the NFL season. That's where I, I tend to shine with my live bets. Um, but I want to give you some some action for Friday. A couple things I'm looking at. One, Sidney Crosby might not play on Friday versus the New York Rangers. He uh, he got injured last game, left, did not come back in the third. Uh, we'll talk about the hit on the Steve Dangle podcast if you want to talk about it there. If you want more of my thoughts on it there, uh, you'll get them. If you don't want them, well, you got to listen and you'll get them anyways. So Sidney Crosby might not play on Friday, but I don't think that should that should change your mind on whether or not the Penguins are going to win. I think the Penguins win that game. I think they they show up and they do it for Crosby. So right now it's 2.05. So that's 2.05 times your money, which so if you bet $10, you'd win $10.50. Straight up, Penguins beat the Rangers. But you could also take Pittsburgh plus one and a half. Uh, the odds aren't too great on that. So like I, I think the Penguins win straight up. Penguins uh, plus one and a half is 1.44 on, uh, on the decimal odds. So 1.44 times whatever your bet is. I think the Penguins win straight up. I think they close out the series versus the Rangers. At home in Pittsburgh? As underdogs? I'm taking that. I'm taking that every day of the week. I might be wrong, but I'm taking it. Maybe this is the teams to close out the series parlay. I don't like parlays because I feel like you're, you're just chancing it with something that's already like a chance like you're already chancing it but like sometimes it's fun to just throw in a parlay so the other matchup i'm looking at is golden state the golden state warriors they're playing the memphis grizzlies they got embarrassed by the memphis grizzlies without john morant in game number five so we're going to game six at home in oracle arena it's the warriors Memphis still isn't going to have John Morant. It's minus eight and a half. So minus eight and a half points for the Golden State Warriors. I think they win by at least nine. Friday night, close out the series versus Memphis. So the odds there are 1.91 odds that they win the game minus eight and a half. So a $10 bet pays you out $9.09. Please play responsibly if you're going to gamble. It's 19 plus to interact on Sports Interaction. These are the two bets I'm going to be going with on Friday. Pittsburgh, straight up. I might take the one and a half. If Crosby doesn't play, I might just like, okay, I'll take the one and a half goals. But if Crosby's in, like, no, no, forget it, forget it. 
No, no one and a half. I'm going straight out. Pittsburgh closes it out, regardless of whether Crosby plays or not. I'm sticking with that. I don't care. I'm sticking with it. Pittsburgh closes it out at home in Pittsburgh. New York goes home. Shesterkin Hart trophy talk all season was wasted because he can't get it done in the playoffs. That's the narrative. Golden State bounces back after just a beat down by Memphis. They take care of business Friday night in Golden State, in San Fran. Minus eight and a half. That's what I'm rolling with. I don't know if you want to parlay those two. I'm going to do them as singles. But if you want to parlay them, go ahead. That's my Friday night bets. Once again, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN if you want to get involved. 19 plus, please play responsibly. We have safe gambling tips in the description of this podcast. Just so everybody's aware, right now, this part of the podcast, it's five minutes after Leafs Lightning. Game six. I've I've walked over from uh, my TV to the computer just after, right after the goal was scored. W- what chaos! What a game! I I'm speechless because I thought tonight was the night. Honestly, everything everything was aiming towards some sort of magic for the Leafs and point. Point put banging that home. Oh, they're gonna do it in Game Seven, I believe. I believe home Saturday. Leafs get it done. But I genuinely thought tonight was the night. I was preparing Brandon Hagel phrases for that missed missed opportunity. I don't know if I was gonna go with the Hagel bagel because he missed. It's a zero. Get it? Hagel bagel or uh, the Hagel hook. The Hagel hook, I think, is good because he hooked it wide, le- uh, wide right. I w- I was ready, I was ready, but I we can get ready for Saturday. That's the th- that's why you're up three two. That's not the fourth loss of the series. You can t- the Leafs came out and they played so well from middle of the second on. You know, you know the Jesse Blake special of live betting. Where you take the Leafs plus two and a half when they're down by two goals, and that would have cashed today, because uh, the Le- they always they always have some fight in them when they're playing well. That's what's different about this team. This team of old, the Leafs teams of old, always lose this game. They all the ten out of ten times they lose this game, and today they lost. Tonight they lost this game, but it feels different. It still feels different because there's so much fight in this team. Now we get to game seven where it's that's it. There's nothing else. And I believe that this squad doesn't have the demons that the other teams have. That's what we're always chalking it up to because there's been so many times when they have these moments where they can close out series and they choke it away. But I don't look at this as a choke. I look at this as just uh, there wasn't enough opportunities for them. And, and Tampa's so great that they were able to capitalize on theirs. I don't know. I mean, Saturday is going to be... It's going to be crazy. Uh, in Toronto, game seven again. Man, the next 48 hours. I'm I'm so excited to be along this ride with you. <sighs> go Leafs, go. As always. It's the, it, the vision is not dead. Let's not lose hope. Every I thought it was going to be Willie. Oh my God, my mind is running a mile a minute because like, 
There's so many little things in that game that I can't wait to talk about tomorrow. I thought it was going to be Willie and OT. At least twice, I saw I saw some plays when they when they had the puck in the lightning in the in in the lightning zone, and he was open. Ah, oh, I thought Willie was going to do it just for all the haters and all the how long he's he's had this journey on this team. Or I thought could, it, Matthews had an opportunity to tip one past Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky's been shaky and tired. I'm going to shut up before I go on too long. I'll see you Saturday. Maybe in the stadium. I don't know. Maybe we'll try and... Uh, we're going to try and get in, I think, me and Adam Wild. Steve's got to be on YouTube, but... I'll see you tomorrow, I should say, on the Steve Dago podcast for full... Leafs coverage. I hope you enjoyed this one. The Jesse Blake Sports Report will be back here next week, next Thursday, as per usual. (sighs) Maybe by that time, the Leafs will have slayed a couple demons. We'll see. Oh, boy. Saturday is going to be crazy. Take care. Stay safe. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here watching or listening to this right now, and I appreciate you for that. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake, powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Jesse Blake, the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence. Sure, I know him. No, he doesn't have an ego at all.